I really appreciate the praise and worship, y'all. We don't talk about it a lot, but it's such a, a blessing. All the direction and all of the focus is upon the Lord. And it's uh, such a blessing, y'all. We really are, are blessed to have with so, so many crazy things going on in the church world today. And the music is one of the biggest of all where things that are not of the Lord or the flesh and so forth coming in. I'm very thankful for our worship and our praise and worship and uh, how it just it, it brings us into helps to serve to bring us into the presence of the Lord and to honor him. I appreciate the leading it the way she does. I want you, if you would, to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two, we're going to read verses one through four. We have a lot of scriptures today. Keep your Bible handy. Uh, a lot of scriptures in Acts, by the way. Just keep your, your, uh, your Bible ready to go, amen, your sword of the Spirit ready to be open and turn to and read. Let's read 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And I would say this morning, we need the fire of the Holy Ghost. Fire is in conjunction with the Holy Spirit. Our God is a consuming fire. And He's pictured here uh, that falling on the day of Pentecost upon the 120 believers in the upper room who were waiting for this promise. And the Holy Ghost came in the form of fire and sat upon them. We need this fire in our lives today. The Spirit of the living God, this baptism in fire, we need that. And y'all, the Lord knows our great need for this, this Holy Ghost fire and power. The Lord knows it better than we know it. Because a lot of times I think we as, as Christians, we think we can do just fine uh, without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But the Lord knows the great need for His people to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. He knows the importance or the significance of it. The power that comes from it. He knows the unspeakable blessing that this is to the redeemed of the Lord. That baptism in the Holy Ghost is a blessing to the people of God. It is a blessing. Okay? It is a gift from God. And the Lord desires for His people, His people, I mean by those that are redeemed by the blood of Christ, that are truly born again, He, he desires for His people to be filled with the Holy Ghost because He knows how desperately we need His power in our lives. We might think, oh, it would be nice, it would be a blessing. He knows how desperately we need the power of the Lord through the baptism of the Holy Ghost in our lives. And I would say this morning, this is going to be a very simple message, but we need to believe Him. We need to believe our God. And we need to take the Lord at His Word. So we're going to look at a lot of Scriptures this morning. And we need to receive this promise to be and be filled with the Holy Ghost, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The saints of God, I don't think any of us could argue this. The Lord certainly, His Word lays it out there. But the saints of God need strength. We need strength more than just our strength. We need strength for the task that is set before us. Uh, Chris talked this morning in Sunday school about walking in the narrow way. There's trials. 
along the way. Most people you meet are not Christians. The encouragement that we have comes from the body of Christ. The encouragement that we have comes from the Holy Spirit and from the Lord Himself and from His Word. But we need strength for what is set before us. We need Holy Ghost power and strength for the life that is uh, set before us. And we need the Holy Ghost power for ministry. For the least, what we might think is the least little thing in ministry. To come cut the grass up here and to do it without getting bitter and do it as unto the Lord. We need the Holy Ghost. We need the Lord to teach the little children in Sunday school. We need the Lord to share the gospel with someone. We need the power that He gives us. He has supplied it and it is ours to receive. And y'all, what we're really going to focus on today, we need great boldness. We need great boldness to live this life in the midst of what the Bible says is a crooked and perverse nation among whom we shine as lights. We need boldness. And, and we're going to talk about this. But Jesus Christ, several months ago I preached upon, I preached about the Lord uh, being sheep in the midst of wolves, right? In Matthew 10, Jesus Christ says, Behold, He sent His disciples out on their first, their first mission trip. Basically, it was a like, I don't know how long, a week or so, but a little trial run mission trip. And it says that, uh, he says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. And we think, well, that doesn't sound, <laughs> that doesn't sound very encouraging. I'm the sheep and they're the wolves. We know what a wolf can do to a sheep and there's nothing a sheep can do to a wolf. Um, he says, I'm sending you out. And it's not just the disciples in the book of, in, in the gospels. It is Jesus Christ sends out His children, those that He has redeemed by His own blood, into the midst of a dark and lost and fallen and sin-filled world. He sends us out right into it. I mean, rolling our sleeves up and getting right in the midst of a dark, sin-filled world. We're in the world. We're not of the world. And that is the key. We're still here until we're raptured. We're still here until the Lord calls us home individually. To die and be with Christ, which is far better. But as long as we're here, that is like the, the portrayal. We are sheep in the midst of wolves. And yet he says, you're in the midst of them. I'm sending you out there in the midst of them. We're not just to huddle up in a closet and wait till we die or wait till the rapture comes. He sends us out. And that's what we're called to do. But his word also says that we're more than conquerors through him who loves us. So it's the same. The sheep is more than a conqueror in the midst of wolves through Christ, through him who loves us. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Believers are outnumbered. I don't think there's any question about that. The Bible even says that few there be that find it. The straight gate. Many go on the broad path that leads to destruction. That's a life without Christ and a life that is lived and dies in sin without ever being forgiven. Many are going on that path. Believers are outnumbered. Believers, you and me, if you just got saved yesterday, okay, you've been a saint for a long time. Believers were outnumbered. We're numbered in this world. We're despised and ridiculed in the world. We're hated specifically for His name's sake. I've given them, Jesus said of His disciples, Thy word, Father, and the world has hated them. I've given them Your word, and the world hates them. Because they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. We go out into the world as as sheep in the midst of wolves. We're, We're hated for His name's sake. 
We are uh, strangers and pilgrims among men. We're strangers and pilgrims. Everybody else has settled down. They're building their little kingdoms and empires. And they're spreading themselves like a big green bay tree, it says in Psalm 37. And they're just the wicked man just spreading himself. Because this is all he's got. This is all they can hope for without Jesus. And here we are and we're strangers. And we're pilgrims in the midst of that. And as a whole, this is as a whole, our life, our message of Jesus Christ being the only Savior of the world, the only way to get to heaven, our morals, our practices and behavior, our hope that we have of heaven and living eternally with God in in this beautiful city that he's created for us. All of that is hated and ridiculed and mocked in the world as a whole. And yet our Savior who redeemed us and called us has said, you're more than conquerors. How are we more than conquerors? We're more than conquerors through Christ who loves us, but He has also promised to equip us for the battle. So when we dig into it just a little bit further and see what God provides to His sheep and His saints in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, in the midst of evil men that don't know the Lord, don't want to know the Lord, many of them, how, how, is, how is this going to work? How are we more than conquerors? It is because the Lord has promised to strengthen us and equip us, and He does equip us for what He has before us. And we're going to talk about that this morning, the equipping of the Lord. Jesus said, Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions. Well, you said that's kind of weird. We don't have a lot of serpents. I almost stepped on a water moccasin the other day, and uh, the Lord helped me kill it. But uh, this is not an everyday occurrence. Serpents and scorpions. And it says, over all the power of the enemy. Now we know that. We know that we have an enemy. We know that we have an adversary who is the devil. And our own flesh can be an enemy most of the time. But the point is, he says, behold, I give you power. Who gives it? The Lord gives it. Who does he give it to? You. Power. Over to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now that is quite a statement to make. It's either true or it's not. It's either true or it's false. If it's true, then that's what He's given us. And that's what He has made us. And we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And He prepares us. And I would say, oh Lord, we need You. We need this uh, all that you have. There's so many blessings that come from the baptism in the Holy Spirit into the life of a believer. He is a wonderful counselor and comforter. I know one thing that I noticed when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, instantly, this was like instantly, was my love for the Word of God. And my understanding uh, was so much greater. Just It's like a light switch. And I was saved before. When I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit when I was in college, um, my last semester at LSU, the the understanding of the Scriptures, it became real to me. It was like real at this much level to me. And and I believed it was true and all of that. But when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, it it was like it was jumping off the page when I would read it. That this is real. Hang on to this. You can live by this. This is the nugget of wisdom that you needed. This is how you're going to make it through life. The Word of God. And, and the blessing it was 
and is to my life. There's so many blessings about, uh, that come from the believer receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, the Bible says. But I would say today, what God would have us to talk about is the, the great need we have for His boldness. The boldness to stand for the Lord. And He knows what we have need of. He knows the battles that you're going to face that I'm going to face. Aren't you glad He knows it? We wake up on a Monday morning and it seems normal, but He says in, He knows in 15 minutes, uh, you know, Damien's going to have the biggest trial of his life. But I've prepared him for it. You understand what I'm saying? He, he knows what we're about to step into. He knows the battles that we're going to face. And He also needs the strength and the wisdom and the power that we will need for that battle. To where we stand and don't fall. To where we come through and our faith comes through as pure gold tried in the furnace of affliction. He knows what we have need. He knows better than we need. He knows the need that we have for this treasure in our earthen vessel. Nothing's really special about us in a physical sense. It's only what's special is what's in us. Christ in us. In the fullness of His Spirit. In the fullness of His power. And this is what He's given us, this great need for boldness. I want you to turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 4. We're going to be looking a lot in, in Acts for the, the remainder of this message. But I want you to read, and we're going to kind of skip around. Peter and John had been used to heal the lame man, and now they're, they're being brought to task before the council, threatened and beat and so forth, not to preach in Jesus' name anymore. Chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter, what does it say about him? Filled with the Holy Ghost. These are not just little phrases to fill up your Bible. Then Peter, he's standing before the council and they're threatening him and, and forbid him to preach in Jesus' name anymore. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel. Skip down to verse 13. Now, when they saw the what? Boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. These two men were sheep in the midst of wolves. These two men were hated and, and persecuted for His great namesake, and yet they knew there's some power in them, there's some boldness in them, there's some life in them that we don't have. It's the life of Christ. They even knew that they had been with Jesus. That was what the Holy Ghost testified of in their lives. Verse 19 and 20. After they were threatened some more, Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. What is this, y'all? It is boldness. It is boldness. And there's such a need in every era, every generation the boldness that comes from the Holy Ghost. Then Peter, being filled with the Holy Ghost, made these statements, took this stand, made this profession before men. It was only about maybe 50 days, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, approximating, but maybe 50, 55 days before this, that Peter had denied the Lord three times in the shadows, warming himself by the fire, watching his Savior uh, be arrested and, and brought to trial. 
What's the difference, y'all? He was loved the Lord before. He believed Jesus. He made his profession. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Uh, he he was just he was saved before this. The difference was what we read in Acts chapter two. The 120 were waiting in the upper room. And on the day of Pentecost, when it was fully come, they received this boldness. And that's what we see in Acts 4. And that's what we see through the remainder of the Scriptures. And I'll just read this to you quickly for time's sake. But in, in Matthew chapter 10, 19 and 20, Jesus said, He foretold His disciples before He sent them out. When they deliver you up, not if. He already said, you're going to be delivered up. You'll be brought before kings and magistrates and so forth. When they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak. Can you, is that not amazing? How would you plan for that? They come busting in the door here in the next 30 seconds and say, you don't have your masks on or whatever. We're shutting this down and you're going to prison. Well, I didn't have my speech prepared for that. He says, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. But it doesn't end there. The Scripture says, for it is not you that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. Do, you, do we not need this boldness and this authority and this power for, for every situation to be prepared? The Lord knows what we're going to face. And so we don't simply need more pep talks, y'all. I'm talking about we as the people of God and in our churches today, there seems to be so many pep talks and so many moving things and emotional things or, oh, I never heard this before or this speaker before. He really said something and put it in a different... We don't need that. And that's what the church world is so filled with. Not every church, but so many. We don't need more pep talks. We don't need more uh, pep rallies. We don't need necessarily more study in the Greek and Hebrew, although there's nothing wrong with that. And if it helps us in in the Word of God and in the faith, then praise God for it. But we don't need more church events. I've said it before, we're not scheduling things just to schedule things. We're going to be led by the Spirit and pray that we'll all pray and be led by the Spirit in the direction of this church. We don't need more church programs. We don't need a busier church calendar. We don't need... uh, Christians to take over politics and every mayor of every town. It would be wonderful, but that's not what we need. The disciples didn't have that. The apostles didn't have that. And they turned the world upside down. Amen? What we need and what our Savior has promised and what our Savior provides for His people is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To be baptized in the Holy Spirit and subsequently filled with the Spirit. And the the Bible says the world cannot receive this. Jesus said, whom the world cannot receive, but believers can. I just got saved yesterday. I need to study up on that. Well, then study up on it. But you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. Well, I'm not nearly as holy as so-and-so. I'm not nearly as far along in the faith as them. Maybe that's something I need to wait on. We see it in the Bible. People are saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the Lord has promised this to His people and the Lord provides this to to His people to be set on fire by the Holy Ghost. 
to be set on fire. Peter and John were set on fire by the Holy Ghost. That is the Lord's answer. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, that is God's answer for us. That is God's provision for us. That is God's provision for all those that he saved by his grace. That, that baptism, is what he intends for everyone that he saves. You say, well, that's pushing it a little bit. That's stretching it. You tell me that God intends for every born-again person, that that is his intent for them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yes. That is his intent for everyone. All are not, and probably all will not be. But that is his intention and purpose. Just quickly, for time's sake, I'm going to read through some scriptures, if you'll bear with me. Acts 1, 4, and 5. If you can turn that quick and want to get there, great. We'll have some others we turn to together. Acts 1, 4, and 5. After the resurrection of Jesus and after the 40 days where He was on the earth and appeared to His disciples several times, it says, He, and being assembled together with them, commanded them. What does that say? It says He commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. But wait for the promise of the Father, which saith, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So he commanded them. We say that was just the, the 12 or just the 11. After It's not, because there's 120 in the upper room. It was men. It was women. It was disciples. It, the, it was the, those that he had called as disciples and apostles. It was those that he had not called at, by name. It was the believers in the early church that were tarrying in the upper room. They knew that promise was for them. They knew that commandment was for them. Acts Acts 19 verse 2. Paul, later in in his ministry, after he's saved and he's going, he goes to to Ephesus and it says he found 12 disciples there. And come to find out they weren't really saved. They were were more like John the Baptist's disciples. But Christ had already risen from the dead. They didn't know all the, the whole gospel. The point is, Paul comes across these 12 men that he thought were disciples. He said unto them, have you received? This wasn't the disciples that he was talking to. This wasn't just the church in Jerusalem. This wasn't just Jewish believers. He said unto them, these men that he meets in Ephesus that he thought were Christians. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Not when you believed, but since you believed. Have you received the Holy Ghost? They said unto him, we've not so much heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Well, the story is, the the account is that that Paul preaches the gospel to them. They got saved. They got baptized. And then, Acts chapter 19, he put his hands on them and they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. Okay? Acts 8, 14 through 17. I love, this is one of my favorites. This account of Philip. Philip was not one of the twelve disciples. He was chosen by God and and he was a man filled with the Spirit and so forth. It says he went and preached the, the, the gospel in Samaria. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive what? The Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and had received the word of God, they were saved. Philip knew that they were saved. They were born again. 
But the Holy Ghost in this, the form, in, in the way, and in the power that he felt the day of Pentecost had not fallen upon these Samaritan believers. But it was very quick because Peter and John say, oh, there's a revival. Philip's down there preaching in Samaria. Those Samaritans, Samaritans are believing and they're getting saved and Philip's baptized them in the name of Jesus. I need, we need to get down there. God says, get down there. Get down there because I know those Samaritan believers, like every believer, they're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. And when they came down, they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Luke 24, 49. Jesus said, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. These are not ambiguous. They're very clearly stated out here. These Scriptures are very clear. Okay? That word tarry. Jesus says, look, the promise is coming. I want you to tarry in Jerusalem. Don't go win the world for me right now. You can't. I want you to tarry in Jerusalem until... He didn't tell them how long it would be, by the way, either. It was about eight to ten days. But you tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. Power from on high. They were already saved. They'd have died, they'd gone to heaven. They trusted in Christ Jesus. But they weren't endued with this power from on high. And that word tarry, it's interesting, it literally means to sit down. You just stay put. Oh Lord, we love you so much and there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus and I want to do this and I want to build a church over there. You know what the Lord says first? I'm going to take care of all that. I'm going to take care of it through your life. What I desire to take care of it through, do through your life. But you're not ready yet. You need to be endued with power from on high. It has nothing to do there with you need to be forgiven of your sins. You need to be fit for heaven. You need to be robed in the righteousness of Christ. He's saying power. It's coming from on high. You need to tarry. Sit down. Sit down. And you wait. And that is one of the problems I think today. The church world for the most part today, at least in the, the circles that I run, and the, what the books I read and articles and stuff and current events in the church, is not a spirit-filled. It might be charismatic in the way they act and, and behave and in their services and so forth, but they're not a spirit-filled church. People don't tarry. Believers don't tarry. Just park it right here. Sit down until you be endued with power from on high. And that's what he tells us to do. He wasn't just telling the early first church that. Show me a scripture where he tells us that was just for the early church. I know there's one passage in 1 Corinthians where there's tongues they shall cease. Where there's knowledge, it says it shall cease as well. A lot of things are going to end and it has to do with when we see the Lord face to face. Faith will end in sight. When we see Him, we'll be like Him. That's what He's talking about. There'll be no more tongues like that in heaven and so forth. There won't be uh, spiritual uh, gifts, so to speak. They will need to be functioning in heaven. We'll know Him as we're known of Him. But until that day, we need the power of the Holy Ghost. Every believer... Not a special elite group of believers, but every believer. I want you to think about this. And we're not going to be too, too long this morning. But are you and I, we're talking about boldness. Are you and I greater than our enemy, the devil? You and I, are we ourselves greater? We're not. 
what the Christ in us is. He knows that we need this filling of the Spirit, this power of the Holy Ghost. Was Paul able, once he was saved and the apostle to the Gentiles, was Paul by himself able to fight the beast at Ephesus as he calls the Satan that he fought there in this city? He was not. Was Paul in his own strength able to mightily convince the Jews that Jesus Christ was the Lord and Savior? I want to, in his own strength, I want to read this to you. 1 Corinthians 2, 3 through 5. And I was with you, he says, in weakness. He's describing himself to the church in Corinth. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but here's what it was. But it was in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That little passage right there, I pray every day. I pray, Lord, when I stand in that pulpit, when I, whatever I do today, share the gospel with somebody in the health club, Lord, let my speech and preaching not be with the enticing words of man's wisdom. Because you know what? If Amber can talk somebody into believing in Jesus, somebody else can talk them out of it. But if you go in the power of the Holy Ghost and it's not you, he says, my speech was not anything enticing. I was in fear and trembling and weakness. Me. But it was a demonstration of the Holy Ghost and the power of the Holy Ghost, even through my weak, feeble, trembling speech and body. And the people really got saved. They really got born again. That is what we need. Did Peter and John, by their own miracle-working power, power, heal the lame man at the temple? They did not. Not by their own miracle-working power. Did they, by their own boldness, stand and testify of Christ before this council? The Bible says they took knowledge that they had been with Jesus. Amen? They saw the boldness when they saw the boldness. Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost. Did the early church, this 120, turn the world upside down? That's what unbelievers said of them. By the way, they weren't boasting. The church wasn't boasting. Did did that 120 in that early church turn the world upside down by their own uh, charisma? By their own uh, church program? Boy, they had a really great church growth program and a media campaign, and it they did it. That is not at all what did it. It was by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about, about Stephen for just a moment. Did Stephen, who was not one of the 12 disciples, by the way, he was like Philip, okay? Somebody that, that was selected by, by the Lord, by the church to serve. Did he, uh, was he able to boldly Preach Christ out of his own courage while an angry mob of Jewish unbelievers, including Saul of Tarsus, was standing there enraged and rushed upon him and picked up stones and began to throw them at him for the word that he was preaching. Did Stephen have that great courage in his own strength? No. That, and, and we won't either, by the way. It is only by the Holy Spirit. I don't care if you think you're Joe Commando. 
and can go take on a hundred like they do in the movies. We do not have that courage and strength to stand for Christ without the baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire. I'm going to just read this real quickly. And you can be turning your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 7. When you get there, just hold that for a second. In Acts chapter 6, there was a dispute in the church. The early church, wherefore, brethren, this is where they prayed and said, here's going to have this, how we're going to solve the dispute. Look ye out among ye seven men of honest report. And this was the qualifications. These weren't twelve disciples. They were, going to be, they were servants of the Lord and ministers in the early church. And they had to be of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. And I'll just paraphrase. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. So now we see this makes more sense when we read it. So if you're in Acts chapter 7, we're going to start reading uh, verse, in verse 51. So Stephen, the only sermon we know that he ever preached, it's the only one that's recorded in the Bible, it's a wonderful sermon. He's preaching, he gets stoned at the end of it. But he's preaching with boldness. He was a man full of faith and filled with the Holy Ghost. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. Verse 53. Um, 54. And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. And they gnashed on Him with their teeth. But He, again, this is not just a little phrase, but He, Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly unto heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses lay down their clothes at a young man Saul's feet. His name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen calling upon God, Stephen's calling upon God, and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Are you telling me you think you can do that in your own strength? You know you can't. And I know I can't. And more than that, the Lord knows we can't. It's not a question of you working up some courage. It's a, it's a question of being in a matter of being receiving the provision that God gives for that. What He gives, what He provides for that moment and for that stand and for the need for boldness and strength, He provides. You're not going to find it somewhere else. And that's what I want to talk about for just a moment. I would say so much of, the, the, of Christian, Christianity as a whole is void of this Holy Ghost power. So much of Christianity, not every Christian and not every church, but so many are void of this Holy Ghost power. And you know what people try to do? You've seen it. They don't have the real power of the Holy Spirit. They know they're lacking something. They want to appeal to people and the young people who find more power in Satanism than they do, they do in maybe a church over here. And so they, they try to imitate or mimic or manufacture things and say it's, the, it's God or it's the Holy Spirit moving. 
And there's no need to do that. It's a sham. It's, it's, there's no need for that. And we're going to have high-energy youth meetings and high-energy sermons and, and videos that, you know, strobe lights that put you in, into, a, you know, whatever. Uh, everything's got to be but, but it's, uh, hyped up because they don't really have, they didn't tarry to be endued with power from on high. They're not being filled regularly with the Holy Spirit. They're not on their faces before God hearing what the Lord would lead them to say and do and minister. And they're mimicking things. And it looks like a lot of energy. People say, wow, that's revival. Wow, that's the Holy Ghost. Wow, I really felt God in that place. And yet, uh, there, it, uh, many times it's just the flesh trying to mimic and hype up and have some type of energy, but it's lifeless. The flesh profits nothing, Jesus said. It profits nothing. It's not going to amount to anything. And it, the, the, the flesh is not going to convict men of sin, by the way. Energy and hot videos and emotional, and we cry about this and, and everything, and everybody's in a big huddle over here crying and weeping over that. That's not, it's just in the flesh going to convict men of sin. It's not going to give strength in our weakness. And it's not going to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not. The Holy Ghost is given to glorify Jesus Christ. To testify of Christ before men. And I just want to ask the thought, and I'm not, I'm not exempting myself from all this, but I, I, I want to be a spirit. I want to be what the Lord's called me to be. And I want this church to be what God's called this church to be, which is a spirit-filled body. Not only on our doctrinal statement, which it is on our doctrinal statement, that we would really be that. And if we need to tarry until we're endued, then guess what? We might have to make some changes in our schedule for lunch that day. I'm not trying to, to manufacture something. I'm simply saying... We're going to be a spirit-filled church. We need to be a spirit-filled church. We need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost if we're believers and have not been. And if we're baptized in the Holy Ghost, it says in Ephesians 5, this to me would be subsequent to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Be not drunk with wine where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. We need to live a spirit-filled life and be filled with the Lord. Why would we look to some substitute to substitute for true Holy Ghost power. A lot of the church world is doing that. Why would we look for a substitute for that? Why would some Christians minimize the baptism of the Holy Spirit when the Lord has maximized it, so to speak? Why would it be minimized? And I say, oh, just for a simple true faith among the redeemed of the Lord to believe for and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's so many mental arguments. There's so much that's unnecessary. If you didn't have one book by one author and you just had the Bible and sat down to read it as a believer, you would see the baptism of the Holy Spirit is God's gift for believers. We would see that. Every true Christian, I'll say this just so they're not confused, sometimes a spirit-filled church or pastor can make the mistake of saying, that group over there, they need the Holy Ghost. And we need to be careful because everyone that's born again has the Holy Ghost living inside of them. 
And there's nothing arrogant about it. And there's nothing mocking about it. Well, then why don't you go share it with them nicely in a, in a Christ-like way and show them the Scriptures instead of ridicule. They're the dead church over there. They need the Holy Ghost. That's not the attitude of a believer. That's not the attitude of a Spirit-filled believer. It's not my attitude at all. You understand what I'm saying? We're going to be in heaven with people one day with believers that probably never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They didn't think it was for today. The they were wrong. Okay, They didn't understand it. They should have. But they didn't. And they were saved by grace. All right. My point is this. That, that every Christian, that if you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You cannot be born again without the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Our body is His temple if you're a believer. We're born of His Spirit. The Bible says Christ in you, the hope of glory. Listen to this from Romans 8. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be the Spirit of Christ or God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. You know what he's saying? If any man doesn't have the Holy Ghost living inside of them, they're no, they don't belong to Jesus. So, by definition, a believer has the Holy Ghost living inside of them. By definition of what a believer is. A true Christian is born again. They're born how? Of the Spirit of God. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay? So every believer, baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire or not, has the Holy Spirit indwelling them. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is a gift subsequent to that salvation, which is a provision by God to live this life out for strength, for power, for boldness, for comfort. Do we need His comfort? Absolutely. For wisdom and so forth. God gives it. And so His, his purpose is for every believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, you say that that might be pushing it. Listen to Peter on the day of Pentecost when he was preaching. They were first say He talks about salvation first. The, the crowd of people was convicted. They were cut to the heart. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You know what that is? That's salvation. Repent. Be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Replaced in the body of Christ. Okay? Our sins are remitted or forgiven. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise, this is the promise of the Holy Ghost, is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The gift of the Holy Ghost is just that. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Why would we refuse this gift from the hand of the Lord? Why would we make optional? I'm talking about Christians. Why would Christians make optional what the Lord has not made optional? I don't see it in the Bible. I would like you to show me in the Bible. I'm not being... Uh, mocking. I would like you to show me in the Bible where the baptism of the Holy Spirit is optional and it's a suggestion by the Lord if you would like this, if you want something deeper or more, then wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Did He not say, didn't the Word of God say, but tarry ye in Jerusalem? Did He not say He commanded them 
to not depart from Jerusalem until they were endured? Didn't Peter and John, as soon as they heard that the Samaritans were getting saved, get down there and say, we got to get down there. And they put their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Didn't Paul, when he was in Ephesus and thought he met some about 12 believers there, say, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Why do we minimize it? I say we, the church world. We minimize it. What God has not minimized. It's a provision. Why would we for refuse this gift that He's wanting to give us when He knows our great need for it? He knows our, the great blessing it will be for our lives. We need to simply take the Lord at His word and say, what saith the Scriptures? I'm closing with this thought real quickly. R.A. Torrey, who was a minister, a Baptist minister, and loved the Lord and was a pastor of his church and was used by God, was not baptized in the Holy Spirit in the early part of his life. He received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, totally transformed his life and his ministry, okay, when he did. But he wrote a big book about the Holy Spirit. The Baptism of the Holy Spirit is a wonderful book. But he says, uh, he says this. If our Lord would not permit the men whom he himself had chosen. This is the, the disciples. Okay. If our Lord would not permit the men whom he himself had chosen and ordained for this work to undertake that work until they had received a definite endowment of power from on high for that service, namely the baptism with the Holy, Ghost, Holy Spirit. What is it for ordinary mortals? He's kind of being a little facetious. Like you and me to undertake that service until we are thus baptized with the Holy Spirit and that we know we have been. Is this not the most dangerous presumption? So think about it. I agree with that. If Jesus wouldn't let the early church and the ones he handpicked and they spent three and a half years with him and watched him like nobody else and knew him like nobody else, he wouldn't permit them to go out and undertake the ministry until they had received, were endued with power from on high. Who are we to think we can just go do it? Jesus was filled with the Holy Ghost. When he was baptized in the Jordan River, the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit was not given to him by measure, but he being full of the Spirit, he returned in the fullness of the Spirit. All these phrases like in Luke, he, he, it's how he ministered. And we're going to think it's just optional. Not that big a deal. For some people, they believe that. That's fine if they believe it. We think it passed away. Tell me what day it passed away. Show me the Bible where it passed away. I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, so I knew it hadn't passed away. We make it complicated, and we don't need to make it complicated. We need to receive what the Lord has given us. I'll close with this. Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 23. So this is, we talked a lot about Peter and John. The lame man was healed. Uh, uh, the crowd of people gathered together. Peter says, don't look at us like that. we through our own power did this. 
He knew it was, the, it was the Spirit of the Lord. He says, it's by Jesus Christ who you killed and put on a cross and rejected who's risen again that this man's whole. And he preached the Gospel to them and 5,000 people got saved. Now they're brought before the council two times. And it says right here, when they were let go from the council, in, in verse 23, and being let go, they went to their own company. They went back to their church of believers and reported all that the chief priests and elders had done, said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, Thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. D, you can come on up. We're going to close with this passage. Who by the mouth of Thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? And the kings of the, the, kings of the earth stood up and the rulers that gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. For of a truth against Thy holy child, Jesus, whom Thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever Thy hand and Thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto Thy servants that with all what? 29. They're praying for what? They've already, this is after the day of Pentecost. But they're praying for boldness. God, it's tough out there. We're persecuted out there. It's just like you said it was going to be. And they quote some Old Testament Psalms. And, but God, give us boldness that we may speak Thy Word by stretching forth Thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of Thy Holy Child, Jesus. This was God's answer. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Why do we make it so complicated, y'all? Why do we have to have this book and this author and this pastor? Well, so-and-so wouldn't. They didn't believe it and they thought it passed. And on and on and on and on and on. Why don't we just pick up the Bible? What does he say right here? They prayed for boldness and they were, the place was shaken. God's answering their prayer and here's how he does it. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the Word of God with boldness. They prayed for boldness. They received boldness. They were, they were due with power from on high and this was a subsequent filling afterwards. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which they possessed was his own, but they all had held had things in common and with great what power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. I'm closing with this, y'all. That the baptism of the Holy Spirit can be misunderstood because it's maligned and minimized and optionalized and everything else. And yet, here's the Bible. Here it is right in front of us. Here is the Word of God. And y'all, the baptism in the Holy Spirit specifically, we say, what's the number one reason, the purpose of it, that we would receive power to be witnesses for Christ, unto the Christ? In other words, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said in the Gospel of John, when He's come, He will testify of who? Of me, Jesus said. When the Holy Ghost has come, and He's speaking about the baptism, He will testify of me. 
So whatever claims to be the Holy Ghost, but it's not testifying of Christ and men aren't being convicted of sin and men aren't being humbled and broken and born again and being made holy like He is holy, if that's not what's going on and they're claiming it's the Holy Ghost, it's not. If a man's being lifted up, it's not the Holy Ghost. If a church is being lifted up and their logo all over the world, it's not the Holy Ghost. When Christ comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, He glorifies Jesus Christ. They spoke the word with, word with boldness. And they testify the resurrection of Jesus Christ with great power. Not their own resurrection or something like that. They were testifying of Christ. The Holy Spirit will point men to Christ. The Holy Spirit will show men their own sin. The Holy Spirit will convict men of sin and lead men into all truth. Always. 100% of the time. Always. Remember that. And so this gift is actually not controversial. It's not divisive. It's a gift. It's a gift from the Lord, from God, to His people. It is a divine blessing. It is an endowment of power from on high. And we're going to close with that. These altars are open. I'm not going to be in a rush. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you that if we're going to be a spiritual church, some point, y'all, we've got to put the brakes on and not worry about lunch right after. Or some point, we're going to have to tarry before the Lord and receive. It doesn't have to be here. It sure can be here, though. Dee's mom prayed with me at her house in her den. I'm sitting on the couch and I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I knew I received. I didn't wonder what was that. She told me what, what it was going to be. She showed me the Scriptures. We talked for five, ten minutes. We prayed. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's an amazing thing. I'll say to this day, it's an amazing thing. The fact that I can really receive that gift. But just like a little child, here's a Christmas present. Thanks, Dad. They just receive it. We need to receive it. We need to pray for it, believe. Forget all the arguments. Go to the Scriptures. If you're not convinced by the, by the Scriptures from today, there's a lot more. And if you want to see a lot more, I'll give you a whole lot more from the Bible. Go off by yourself. You and the Lord and your Bible. And you tell me. Come back and say, is this for me? Is this for today? Is it? How do I receive? And so forth. But we're going to pray. The altars are open. I would love to pray because we see in the Bible uh, laying on of hands and people receiving. I'm not going to say that's a magic formula. I'm saying I see it in the Scriptures. Laying on of hands and people receiving. D.L. Moody was walking by himself in New York City in, uh, in the pouring down rain by himself praying and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? I just know that God can do it and He desires to do it. And oh, how we need this power for this hour. Amen. Father, we come before You in Jesus' name. Oh God, what a gift. What an unspeakable gift. It's not a controversy. It's not divisive. It is a gift. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit's not an it. Holy Spirit is He. The baptism in the Holy Ghost and with fire is a gift from Almighty God, from on high, to every believer. God, why would we not receive? Lord, we're saying here this morning, we want to receive. We want to be a Spirit-filled people. We want to be a Spirit-filled church. 
We need the baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire. We need to be endued with power from on high. Listen here, individual, if you're here and you've already been baptized in the Holy Spirit some point in your past and you haven't been filled with the Spirit to where you knew you were filled in quite a while, come to these altars and get a hold of God this morning. Say, fill me, Lord. I don't, I'm not drunk with wine where it is excess, but I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want the place where I am to be shaken and to have boldness to speak the Word of God with great boldness. Father, we receive. Give us the faith as a little child to receive. Pray for and believe the Scriptures. Believe that this gift is for us. He said if we're evil and know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost to them that ask Him. We're asking this morning. I'm praying for my brothers and sisters in Christ. They're no less Christians than a Spirit-filled believer. But if they haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God, I pray You give them the faith to pray for and believe and receive this endowment from on high of power. Oh God, shake this place where we are. I pray for other churches and other Christians, God. Lord, that You would open up their hearts and eyes and minds and they would pray for and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when the world sees the church, they would see a Spirit-filled church. They would see a church like the early church that turns the world upside, upside down. And they would take knowledge that we've been with Jesus. They would see our boldness. They would see the miracles and the signs and wonders. And it would all be for Your glory. And they would come under conviction of sin and they would say, men and brethren, what shall I do? We'd say, repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And then be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Oh God, I pray that people would see that in us. Let it be a reality. Bless us with the Holy Ghost. Bless us with the baptism and fire and in, holy, in the Holy Ghost power, God. How we need You, Lord, in this hour and in this church, God. Help us, Lord. Thank You, Jesus.